Pastor Xavier Reese and the truth behind the marriage vows. When you are single, it's you and you. That's it. When you get married, you're saying, it's no longer me, it's you. You first, you foremost. Now the world tells you differently. Assert yourself, you have your right. No, 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 no. You give up your rights when you're married to each other. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. In a world that's focused on personal pleasures and rights, Pastor Xavier goes back to God's formula for oneness. It's called marriage. Today, he explores the intricacies of giving one's life to another. Let's join him for today's encouraging study from the New Testament book of Ephesians. Let's listen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, and the message is entitled, The Two Are One. A man and a woman take up the closest union that will ever exist between two peoples and the bond of matrimony. Therefore, all other relationships are secondary and subordinate to the marriage relationship. Think of three concentric circles, like shooting at a target. The inner circle of bullseye is you, your wife, and your children. The next concentric circle is a circle of relatives, in-laws, alias, outlaws. And then the following concentric circle is a circle of your friends. I want you to keep those three circles in mind as we go through the study. Notice that none of these circles ever cross over or overlap into the other so as to not violate or upset the harmony of the family. The context of our text is in the backdrop of Paul's teaching about the husband and wife relationship as a parallel to Christ and the church, a parallel that exists nowhere else in Scripture. Paul sums it up as God's design from the beginning as he quotes from Genesis, attributing marriage as a divine institution to perpetuate and develop healthy families, which is set forth by three basic principles regarding marriage here in verse 31. He says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Here are the basic principles. First, the man leaves his father and mother. Second, the man is joined to his wife. Third, the man and his wife become one flesh. Now keep the three concentric circles in mind as we move through it. Let's begin here with the first. The man leaves his father and mother. For this reason shall a man leave his father and mother. First of all, what the command does not mean. The command does not mean that individuals, the man or the woman, in their relationship, seize the relationship with their parents. For they will always be parents and they will always be sons and daughters. The command does not mean they disrespect or dishonor their parents. The command does not mean that they abandon their parents. Now notice that the command was given when Adam and Eve had not any father or mother. 
So God was looking at marriage way beyond the Garden of Eden experience. Declaring marriage to be the standard for man and declaring marriage to be through the duration of man's existence. Secondly, what the command does mean. First of all, the word leave simply means to leave behind, to depart from something or someplace. The man and woman's father and mother represent the authority and stability of the home for the individual person prior to marriage. Every one of us lived in a home where our father and mother was the stability and the authority. Now, gradually as we grew, we began to be winged, to be prepared to move through life alone. But to the day you left, they were your authority and they were your stability to an extent. The authority held by parents over the son or daughter is severed. You are on your own. You've established a new home. Remember, we've already seen what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you have nothing to do with them. It doesn't mean there's no interaction. But you've established a new home. The inner circle of relatives, remember, is the second concentric circle outside the immediate family circle of husband and wife. And they should not enter in unless allowed. Be they in-laws, be they brothers or sisters, be they brother-in-laws or sister-in-laws. Now, when I'm speaking about the in-laws, if you're an in-law, don't be an outlaw. Get out of the way. I've told my children many times, I will always confront them, advise them, rebuke them, and do everything else until they're married. Once they're married, I'm out of the circle unless they ask me in. I'm done. These boundaries need to be acknowledged and respected to ensure harmony in the home. For the man leaves his father and mother. Secondly, the man is joined to his wife. It says, and be joined to his wife. Real simple. First of all, the joining is for life. The word join means to glue upon, to glue together, to cleave, or to stick to. You might think of a two two-by-fours, and you put glue on them, and you put them together. And you let them set. And then attempt to separate them. Now, you can get them apart, but once you get them apart, you're going to see splinters from one to the other. That's what marriage does, Okay. God intended to be married for life, and if you sever that, they're splinters. It's never a clean break. Jesus said, what God has joined together, let no one put asunder, in Matthew 19, 6. The circle of friends, remember, is the third concentric circle outside the immediate family circle of husband and wife and children. And those friends should be allowed in only as, when, and as far when the two agree upon it as husband and wife. Be they the closest friend of a man or a woman prior to marriage, both the husband and wife must be in agreement at what level and what range so that harmony and protection of that inner circle. Remember that the man is joined, meaning glued to his wife. It is the strongest, the longest, and the most binding relationship for life. When a man or a woman agree to marry, they have to recognize that past friends and acquaintances, even present ones, are last in the priority list of the family. 
Am I saying they're not of any value? No. We're focusing on the priority and the value in contrast to the immediate family. Too many times marriages are hurt and are even broken up because this simple principle is ignored. You see, these boundaries need to be acknowledged and respected to ensure harmony in the home, for a man is joined to his wife. Notice thirdly, the man and his wife become one flesh. And the two shall become one flesh. First of all, the two are no longer two but one. It sounds real simple, but let me tell you, this is an incredible truth that if men and women lived it on their home, their home would be 98% ahead. Paul tells the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11 that the woman was made for the man, not the man for the woman. That's an incredible commentary on Genesis. Now, we're going to get into some more specifics. It doesn't mean that the woman's a slave, okay? But God's purpose for creating the woman was for the man because the man was not complete in and of himself unless he has the gift of celibacy, okay? We've talked about that. Now, the commentary of Paul is in no way declaring the woman to be, as I said, a mere maid or a sex slave to please man. The submission of the woman to the man is as unto the Lord in everything due to the fact that he is as a type of Christ. And this is what he's talked about from verse 22 down to verse 30. It's in the backdrop of this context, okay? Now, even if she has an unbelieving husband or he an unbelieving wife, the submission is as unto the Lord. The obedience is unto God, trusting God for the work in the husband or wife. And that submission is in obedience to Christ. And the boundaries of that submission is conscience and the boundary of scriptures. So let's make that clear so we understand it. The two are to live as one. They have given up their rights to live for themselves first and foremost or exclusively. When you are single, it's you and you. That's it. When you get married, you're saying, it's no longer me. It's you. You first. You foremost. Now, the world tells you differently. Assert yourself. You have your right. No, 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 no. You give up your rights when you're married to each other. They have given up their individual independence without communicating that to the other by virtue of asking and by virtue of agreeing to marriage. You do not just get up and go where you want, when you want, as you want. You communicate, you talk, you agree. They are to be one in the relationship to God, in the worship of their God, and in the service of their God. Real simple principle, people, if you're married and you have kids, if you just come to church but you're not serving. Your children will never serve Christ except by his grace. You're just playing church. You need to be involved in ministry. You need to be giving out so that you communicate to your children that you're not a taker. That you're a giver and you're part of the church and you believe in the kingdom of God. It goes beyond words, people. It's real simple. Now, you may serve Christ, and your children never do, but they haven't because of your bad example. 
God will hold them responsible. You have to be obedient to Christ. They are to be one in the priorities and principles of Scripture to live and to make decisions throughout their lives. You both need to know the Word of God. You need to go through the Word together. You need to go through the Word on your own. You need to grow together. Financial decisions are very difficult through life. You need to live where you live. If you make a thousand, don't spend a thousand. <laughs> live where you're at, live with contentment. Everything comes with time. Everything. Your children will benefit more, and parenting, we're not even going to get into that, but your children will benefit more by you staying home, mom, than providing the extra car. 20 years investment in your children, can you handle that? Are they worth it or not? You know, I could have been financially ahead if Trudy would have worked for the last 25 years. But we made a decision. Our children were the priority. It's just the way it is. The raising of your children, you need wisdom together as husband and wife. Don't raise them like your parents raised you if they were non-believers. You raise them as Christ in the scriptures. So you need to talk. You need to pray. You need to search the scriptures. The friends you allow to come in, what kind of example are they? When I was first a young dad, my dad still wasn't born again, and he would drink. But see, I, could, I wouldn't allow my dad to drink in my own home. You'd think that wasn't tough. Now, when I went to his house, he had a beer or something, fine. But I ever saw he was getting a little tipsy. I, okay, dad, we're going to leave. I protect my kids from seeing that. Why? Because I want them to love their grandpa. I don't want them to have bad memories of grandpa. Wisdom. The two become one more and more through time. They have their own personality, but even that will be affected by one or the other. As you come together through life and through time, you will become more like each other. You'll temper each other. They have their own ways of thinking when they're single. Then you come together, and what happens? There's a compromise. There's an adjustment. That's good. They have their own way of thinking and doing things, but that thinking is learned from one to the other. My wife knows me up and down. She knows how I think. When I'm gone on a trip or I'm doing something, something happened in the house, she knows what I would think or how I would handle it. My staff's the same way. They're my second wife. <laughs> but you know why? Because we live with one another. If you're going to know somebody, you have to spend time with them. You know this whole thing. Well, you know, we believe in quality, not quantity. Eh. What a lie. You cannot have quality without quantity. That's a cop-out, materialistic parents. You've got to have time. They will be one in Christ, sharing the joys, the sorrows, the hurts, the cares, the ideals, the dreams, the fears, the disappointments together. That's what makes you one. You have history. They will come to the place where one can anticipate the other in thinking and in acting. Because you've lived with one another. You know one another. Now, secondly, the two experience the most intimate knowledge of each other that has been created by God for a man and a woman 
sexual intercourse. The two shall become one flesh. The Lord has intended that through sexual union, the man and the woman would reproduce themselves from the beginning. The problem is the fall came in and Satan corrupted it. The man and woman become one, and as they come together sexually, the egg and the sperm join. And what a greater evidence of two being one than you see this child, this intimate combination that's a product of love and oneness of commitment. Now, because the children bind you more as one because they are the product of one, as you move on through life and your children would ask you to come over, whatever, and you say, well, you know what? We're tired, but let's go by and see the kids. Because they're both your kids, you have the tendency, oh, yeah, let's do it. Now, today we've got a lot of mixed marriages and everything. So there's a monkey wrench in the machinery. Not that it can't be obeyed, but that we have to be aware of the snares. Because when they're not your children, and you've come home and you're tired, and your wife says, hey, listen, let's go see my son. Your flesh says, now you go see your son. Because he's your son, not mine. And as a Christian, you have to know that when you marry that woman or that man, they're your children also. So watch your flesh. The gift of man's sexual union with his wife is honored by God, and he is glorified. Yet fornication adulterers he will judge, Hebrews 13, 4 says. The sexual union of a husband and wife binds them closer and in oneness more and more. Opposite to fornication, it separates and destroys you. It creates distance. In marriage, sex creates closeness. And it binds you. It's an expression of your tenderness, of your love, your commitment. I'm here. I'm not gone. As a proclamation of your love for each other. The two bodies becoming one body sexually in order to share the, and enjoy each other without guilt, without shame, without reservation. That was God's intention from the beginning in Genesis 2.25. The man and the woman were naked. They were not ashamed. As a matter of fact, Paul tells the Corinthians that sexual union comprises one body involving the emotions and the spirit as a union. 1 Corinthians 6, 16 through 17, where he says, Don't you know that your body, you join it to a harlot, you're one body and you're one spirit? Whoa. And so God protects you. You wait. You wait for the best. Or you settle for second best. And you play, you pay. We all know that. You pay up front or you pay at the end. But you pay. The circle of immediate family members is the first concentric circle. It is the most intimate and the most to be protected by the husband and the wife, allowing family and friends in only by permission, only with certain measures, and those that are honorable by Scripture and healthy for the relationship. Be they the closest friend of a man or a woman prior to marriage. Both the husband and wife must be in agreement as to the closeness of those allowances. Remember that a man is glued to his wife. The two become one flesh. The strongest, the most binding, the most
the most lasting relationship for life. The inner circle of a husband and wife, especially the sexual relationship, is to be valued and protected at all costs. At all costs. It's the holy of holies. Don't let nobody in there. How you handle the first two areas that we have discussed will have a direct or indirect relationship and outcome on your sexual relationship. How you handle your in-laws, alias outlaws, how you handle your friends in relationship to your mate will affect your sexual relationship. Remember what I'm telling you. Some counsel for you married and those of you who are not, listen up. Sex is for your mate's eyes and ears only. No one else. Don't go share with your friends or relatives your most intimate privilege. It will humiliate your mate, not even jokingly, especially jokingly. Sex has God's approval from Genesis all the way to Corinthians and Hebrews. Sex is more than mere performance. It is the result of all that goes on from the morning till bedtime. The minute you get up in the morning, how do you get up, man? You say, hey, where's my shirt? Didn't you iron it? Oh! And you rush out, and you don't call her nothing. Then you come home at night, and you're quiet because you know you've blown it, but you, and then you know, you're ready to go to bed, and you say, oh, my little Fifi, come here. You think you're... <laughs> You think you're Don Juan or something. The last thing she wants is you to touch her. <laughs> Sex begins the minute you wake up. How you talk to her, what do you do? Do you go off with a kiss? Do you pray with her? Do you, do you call her? Do you, are you sensitive to her? Do you come home and, and, and do you give her a hug? Or do you say, hey, what can I do? Some, all of that. Sex should not be used as a tool to manipulate one or the other or to punish one or the other. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 3. Don't ever use sex as a tool, women. you hurt your relationship. Men, you be careful also. It's like the guy that's ready to go to bed, right? Him and his wife. She takes her robot. She's going to get in bed. And he goes, oh, honey, there's your aspirin and there's your glass of water. She goes, well, what's that for, honey? He says, for your headache. She goes, oh, I don't have one. He goes, oh. <laughs> PMS, headaches, all of that, there's a legitimacy. Ladies, bring your mind to captivity. Bring your submission as unto Christ. Men, lighten up a little bit. Sensitivity. Mutual consent. That's great. Sex involves a spiritual union. Never forget that. There's a spiritual union going on. Don't let the romance go out of your life. Do your children see you running around chasing your wife, playing around with her? Do they see that healthy relationship? If they don't, they're never going to emulate it. MTV is going to teach them all about it in the songs they hear. God approves and delights in sex and marriage and the healthy order as He created it. These boundaries need to be acknowledged and respected to ensure the harmony of the home for the two are one flesh. Absolutely. And so, remember these three basic principles regarding marriage. To protect your intimate family circle from the circle of family and friends. 
the man leaves his father and mother the man is joined to his wife the man and his wife become one flesh mark well these important boundaries to ensure harmony peace and love in your home Pastor Xavier Reese with sound advice for a solid marriage Today's message, The Two Are One, is available for only $4. We can send you a copy on CD. And this will also include what Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together. So once again, the title to ask for is The Two Are One, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 